All right, welcome to the Joe Kilgallen Podcast, a.k.a. Kilgallen's Pub. Got a very fun podcast in store for everyone, but as always, I'd like to start off by thanking all the listeners, all the subscribers on YouTube. You guys are the best. I hope everyone is uh, bracing for the final few weeks of 2020, this glorious fucking year we've had. Um, but without further ado, my guest today, I'm very excited about this guy because he's one of the most interesting, fun dudes I've ever met. And fun is a word I don't use often to describe someone, but whenever I think about this dude, I'm like, that's a fun motherfucker right there. Always a fun guy. Uh, great comedian, too. You guys are going to love him. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Brooke, whoops, there, I was at the wrong button. Brooks Whelan, what's up, my man? I'll take it. I like uh, the idea of fun. Dude, man. it's a good one, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Some people yeah. could be, you know, this guy is caring. This guy is. This guy had to postpone a podcast because he needed because it was four thirty and he couldn't watch an Iowa basketball game and not drink. Oh, dude, I get that though. As a sports fan, especially anything to be excited about. This has been a year where there hasn't been a whole lot to be like jacked up about something. So right. I was like, hell yeah, dude, go watch Iowa, go Hawkeyes. Yeah, no, it is weird. It is. It's a lot of. Um, I didn't give a fuck about the NBA, but like during those playoffs, I'm like, yeah, we got sports. This is great. It's sports is just one of those things too, where it's so nice to just not have to not be, you have to give a fuck. You could just watch drink. And in a weird way, you have a good two hours, however long a game is in which nothing else matters, but what you're watching. You know what I mean? It's that's yeah, escapism. It's perfect. It's yeah. I mean, yeah, truly escapism is great. Um, so yeah. So thanks for letting me come on uh, the next day. Uh, and how are you, man? How's it going? Dude, I'm great, man. And I wanted to thank you again, too, because everyone, Brooks has a great podcast uh, mm-hmm. called Entry Level. I was a guest on maybe like, I don't know, a few months ago, but it was amazing. It, Brooks interviews people about their first jobs, which I think is such a cool concept. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's great. Yeah, if you like, uh, if you literally, if you go look at the catalog, I've interviewed like 160 people. There'll be a comic you like that I've interviewed and uh, you'll hear about what they did before they were a comedian. And usually... Uh, as in Joe's case, they were a terrible employee for many, many people. Yes, that <laughs> was awful. Yeah. But here, man, I, wanna, I wanted to lead off from that because you had a post yesterday or two days ago on Instagram about how you should have your own travel show. And <laughs> holy shit, you should, though. Because well, I've, pitched, I've pitched four. I've okay. tried. It's not without trying. Uh, people just are not into i don't know what the fuck their deal is uh but yeah no i'm always trying to get a travel show i got turned down by goddamn snapchat i didn't even know i wanted a show with snapchat but they reached out with the idea of a show and i said okay i got excited about snapchat and then they said never mind and i'm like fuck you for making me even find out what you were Real quick though, what the fuck? Why did they say no though? After I don't understand that. I hear stories like this all the time in Hollywood about, hey, they approached me and still said no. What was the thing where they're like, no, nah, we want less nudity, we want less. Like, what was it? They were like, it needs a driving narrative, and I'm like, yeah, the excitement and going, and they they sent me. Um, they're like, you know, I pitched. I was like, okay, here's what I think. You know, uh, people are cooped up right now. Like, you. You don't have to be. We live in America. America is very big. It has a lot of nature in it. You don't have to get on a plane. You can drive. We have a great highway system. Like you can be different places. You don't have to stay in your homes right now. So I was like, well, you know, I'll do uh, what I pitched them was 10 days in 10, 10 national parks. So 
uh, I would spend 10 days in a national park, like alone, just like filming it and stuff like that. That's going to edit down to a fucking dope 10 minute episode or whatever. You know what I mean? Easily. 10 national parks. And they're like, what's the narrative? I'm like, the narrative is like, okay, fine. I'll figure out what the hardest thing to do in that national park is like for, um, let's say like, gosh, like Yosemite's half dome. I'll hike half dome, you know, for the Grand Canyon, it's, it's, you know, the North Rim to the South Rim, I'll do that, you know, and that's part of it. And I'm like, that's interesting. And it's like adventurous and I'll make it funny. And if you want, I'll bring guests. So we'll have like famous comedians with me who maybe don't even like camping. And they were just like, mm. and they sent me, they're like, here's a show that's really working for us right now. And it was, uh, it was a transgendered woman dating show. Uh, and they were like, something like this. And I go, what the fuck are you talking about? That's great. That's the, that is not what I'm pitching you. What do you want, you want me to do a dating show? What? So How do you do a travel dating show. That's I don't know, man. It was just like the most, you don't know what you're doing. Like, why are we, t- we are, neither of us are hearing each other. I think. Uh, it's, so, it's weird that Snapchat's trying to get, I know they've been doing original content, but isn't it a social media platform? Why are you I trying know, to? Man, I, I had a, just nothing but trouble with trying to develop with them. Although I guess a dating show you could do that you could make a travel dating show would be you going to different towns and then tindering it up with girls. I don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> why would you? That doesn't sound like hiking rim to rim. <laughs> no, uh, it doesn't, man. But yeah, no, I, I definitely would, think we got to get you a travel show because I, I see yeah. your pictures and I want to travel because of you. And I'm not like a big, I like traveling for comedy. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big outdoorsy person, but well, I like watching shows about the outdoors. I have, I just like, I need to go outdoors. Otherwise I'm not good at hotels. They're boring. They're like, I drink in hotels. I don't know if you can tell. I just like, like if I'm in a hotel, I got the TV, I'm going to drink beer. And then I'm just like, I feel like I'm wasting a day versus like whenever I go on a tour, what I learned early in comedy is always rent a car. I need to always rent a car. Otherwise I'll just go nuts in the hotel. And then I drive to whatever the coolest nature thing is in that in that area. So um, that's how you do it, though. I, I like shit like that because, yeah. I, I like Steve Byrne was a good dude like that. I used to open for him a little bit, and he always knew he's a food guy, even though he's not like big. But um, for some reason, when I think food guys, I'm like, you got to be a little heavy for me to trust you as a food <laughs> critic. You can't be thin and in good shape, right? But he's like, let's find the local thing. Let's find like the greasy spoon. Let's find that hot spot. Yeah, and I feel like I always see pictures of you posting stuff where I'm like, mother, dude, I got to get out more because like Utah is a gorgeous state. And I feel like people don't know how beautiful Utah is. No, so I've seen like you post pictures of traveling from California to like Idaho. And I'm like, damn it, dude, I, I want I want Brooks to narrate that shit. Well, what also what people don't realize, like from my apartment to Zion National Park is only six hours. Like that's not that far. You know what I mean? Like I leave at six, I'm there at noon and it took me a while to realize that. Like, it's like, it's not a far away. Like I drove up to Seattle uh, last week just cause I was like, I don't want to be in LA. My friend lives in Seattle and Canaan's in Oregon. So I stopped in Oregon, shot guns with Canaan in the woods camp and then went up to Seattle and skied with my friend. Like just like, especially right now during the fucking quarantine, when we do have a lot of free time, uh, you know, might as well fucking take advantage of. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, and I'm not trying to pitch. Have, uh, I also don't have a family. So it's easy just to do whatever I want, whenever I want. Sorry. No, no, it's cool. I know um, my listeners know I've got two little 
boys. Uh, my wife and I were actually talking about what kind of vacation could we eventually take them on. And I'm a little bit like, oh, we should go basic at first only because they are so little. They might not remember. I remember going to like when I lived in L.A., we'd go to Disney sometimes because it's right there. I remember going to Disney and seeing these parents with like two year olds. And I'm like, that kid's never going to remember this. This is like you're scoring major dad points and they won't remember their first time. I think you right. should remember your first time doing something epic like that. Well, or just do. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really go on. Uh, I went on two vacations my whole life, both to the Dells. Uh, yeah, and, classic uh, Midwest. Yeah, I don't know if you I mean. I've been there a bunch. Don't yeah, wait until your kid's 13 and angry. He's never been on vacation. Before. No, that's true. That's what we were talking about. I think the good ages for for Disney World, I think five and three might be pretty good for them. My, my, three and parents, one now. my parents went to Disney World and left me at home. <laughs> it took Holy my shorter shit. brothers. And Why did it you? Cause I was like one or two or something there. And it was like what you're saying. They're like, well, we're going to go have fun with these ones. Get rid of the fucking dead weight. Uh, and just looking back at that, I'm like, that's wild. You just left a little kid. Out. You went to Disney world without me. What? I think it's wild that they didn't return with you one day. No, exactly. I like, dude, I, they had plus also growing up. There's really fun photos of my brothers and my mom and dad at Disney world. <laughs> They went twice. I'm not in any of these photos. And I'm like, why can't we go to Disney World anymore? And I fucking swear my dad goes, because you were born. Oh, shit. See, this is. <laughs> so I was blamed for never getting to go to Disney World. That's fucking crazy. Dude, I should do a new podcast. Why did you become a comedian? Because I think we found your origin story right here. Yeah, I just, I never even thought about it until just now. Oh, my God. Did you know a comedian <laughs> named Dan Ronan? I don't. Yeah, so not to get down, but he he died a few years back. Anyway, he had this great joke about when he went to a sleepover when he was like eight or nine years old. At the sleepover, all the kids were like, we're going to watch Wayne's World. And his mom said, you can't watch that movie. So he had to go in the other room by himself while the rest of the sleepover got to watch Wayne's World. And he said, now, I don't think watching Wayne's World is going to mess you up. But being in the next room, hearing your friends laugh while Wayne's World is playing, that's going to mess you up. And that your Disney situation is very similar. Well, I, I mean, like that's, that sounds way wild. I remember I was at a sleepover one time. We were like freshmen in high school or something. And uh, we um, all fell asleep. My friend had his like stepdad had rigged up like that black box so he could watch, you know, anything. And yeah, they had yeah. like Playboy channel or whatever. And we all fell asleep with it on because we were just, you know, we were all just trying to watch it all night long. And everybody fell asleep with it on. And his mom came downstairs. And it's the funniest thing an adult's ever done that I can think of. She just like turned the light on. Playboy channel's on. There's like eight boys sleeping on the ground. And she goes, y'all pitching tents down here? And I was like, we we're all so embarrassed. But looking back, I'm like, man, that's a funny icebreaker. Like, what, do you, what else is she going to say? That's a good line. It's a good mom right there. Yeah, yeah. Sleepovers um, are like a rite of passage for kids because I feel like those were the first. I remember a sleepover. That was the first time I saw horror movies, and oh, I saw uh, like Friday Thirteenth. Hey, I remember seeing Death Becomes Her. Remember that movie? That was pretty dope, dude. I don't. I I don't like horror movies. I hated horror movies, but we'd always rent them because of boobs. We just assumed boobs. Yeah, I remember like the first horror movie we saw that boobs weren't in it. We were like, "What the fuck was that shit? That sucked. There was no boobs." This is a terrible movie. 
Dude, I agree, man. I remember that was like your kind of go around where you're like, oh, it's no, it's a scary movie. The parents don't know. Yeah, 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 no, no, exactly. Dude screamed it had no boobs, and that kind of pissed me off because that movie's whole thing was kind of mocking horror movies in a way. Mm-hmm. There were no nips and scream. Bullshit. My, I, I still need to find out who did this and thank this man. For my sixth grade birthday sleepover, my mom came home from, it was called 2001 Videos to Go in Manchester, Iowa. And she comes home and she's like, I ran it. Um, I asked the guy at the at the movie theater what um, would be good for a sixth grade birthday. And he, he um, recommended this. It was half-baked. This dude got my mom to rent us half-baked in sixth grade. And it was the fucking greatest movie we'd ever seen. Like, th- this guy's a goddamn hero, whoever was working at that video store that day. That is a hero right there. He knew what was up. Dude and boobs are in that movie. Yeah, dude. Well, sixth grade, you're 12, so you, it would have been weird if you were smoking weed by that point. But but it was fun to talk about it. Yes. That movie's yeah. got that movie's perfect for sixth graders because I guarantee all of you that whole week at school was like, fuck you, fuck you, you're cool, fuck you, which is such oh. a classic line for kids, you know? Dude, it was so it was so fun. Harlan Williams is so funny in it. Fucking kills the horse. <laughs> that movie, I remember seeing the trailer, like seeing commercials for it when I was a kid on TV, thinking, "Oh, I'd love to see that." But then mm-hmm. didn't see it until like five years later when I was like, I don't know, in high school or something. Yeah, I remember there was a part in the trailer that wasn't in the movie, and I was upset because they were asking Jim Brewer. They're like, "What do you do? What's your job?" And he goes, "I have a job. I'm a professional meter jumper." And he tries to jump over a meter and just hits his nuts and falls really hard. Yeah, that's not in the movie. You're right. I remember that in the trailer. Yeah, not in the movie. Dude, I was heartbroken when I found out movies would do that. And then I found out later, oh, it's deleted scenes or whatever. Mm. Because a number of times, actually the first movie, fuck, why do I feel like you had a a post about this one time? You ever have something that's random, but it sticks in your brain? Mm. The first movie I knew, um that the trailer didn't match the movie 100% true was Disney's blank check. Okay. Okay. Now the reason I feel like maybe it wasn't, you had anything to do with you, but in the well, movie was, blank check thinking about blank check the other day. Cause I'm like, that's a bad kid. That's a steely bad kid. It's a very bad kid. But so Disney plus, you know, I've got, I've got little kids, so I've got Disney plus and blank check came across and I remember seeing it. And then I thought about blank check cause blank check the guy who wrote the screenplay for Blank Check wrote the book Save the Cat. Okay. And maybe it wasn't you, but I remember one time seeing someone tweet like a year or two ago going, you know, everyone raves about Save the Cat, but then you realize the guy who wrote Save the Cat, his claim to fame is Blank Check? Like, who well, the I fuck did are you? That. Yeah, I that did. Was you. I was like, somebody was telling me, th- that was a while ago, because somebody was like, you got to read Save the Cat. You got to read Save the Cat. And then I'm like reading it. I'm like, this guy, this fucking, the blank, he's... <laughs> He's bre- he wrote a book on how he made blank check. Fuck yeah. you. I'm not reading this book. Yeah, because he kept like, in blank check, here's what I did. I'm like, well, shut the fuck up, first of all. Yeah, it was, yeah. Oh, man, that book is trash. Dude, that took me out of that book, too, because I remember I'd read a couple other screenplay books before that, and then everyone's like, save the cat. That's the book. That's the book. I'm reading it and I'm just, I, same thing you had. I'm like, dude, stop. Bra-. It's like bragging about a girl that all your friends were like, yeah, she's cute, but she's not hot, bro. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, slow down. And uh, in Home Alone 2, we made it a little different. He's yeah, in right. New York now and everything's the same. But we got instead of a shovel guy, a bird lady. 
And that's how I wrote the movie. It's like, shut the fuck up. That's not, you're not, don't brag about Home Alone 2. Yeah, he had nothing. Besides, I don't know if he had any, no, he wrote, um, what the fuck was that movie? Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. I think he wrote that book too, or that that's, movie. That's actually more a braggable movie for me. Yeah, I mean, you got Sylvester Stallone in it, right? So, and the, wait, am I thinking, I'm thinking of Throw Mama from the Train. I don't know Throw My Mama from the Train. Maybe I don't know. One of them has like the grant, the the mom of the Fratelli, the Fratellis from Home Alone. That actress, she's incredible. I oh, think well. that might be Throw Mama from the Train. Okay, I think Stop or My Mom Will Shoot might have one of the Golden Girl, like the old lady from the Golden yeah, Girls. Yeah, no, it did. Uh, dude, there was that whole era, Stop or My Mom Will Shoot, Throw Mama from the Train, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. These are all great. These are all like over like titles that are insane. Yeah, dude, I've heard, I read a thing about titles nowadays where it's the marketing department and all these studios has more say of a thing gets greenlit. Dude, where they'll be like, that title's no good. I had, so I had a, a TV show I really liked called Crystal Lake Cave Nature's Masterpiece about a cave I worked at. And it, it was, it was really, it was my first idea that it was the first, it was why I got all representation and stuff. It was real, it's a real cave in Iowa that feuds with the field of dreams. Like they are tourist traps that hate each other. But in reality, the cave just hates the field of dreams. The field of dreams doesn't think about the cave because it's much more popular. Field of dreams, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so I wrote this script about it or whatever, and it got far and it was good. And then they're like, do you have any other ideas? And I was like, I don't know. I think about this show called just like Best Friends for Never about like four best friends who fight. And they were just like, we love it. I'm like, What? They're like, we love it. Best friends for never. Oh yeah, I can just see it. I'm like, this is not how this should work. I have this really well thought out idea. And you're like, mm. and then I have a fucking pun. Fuck this. <laughs> I know, dude. That's really all they give a fuck about is like the title. I yeah. Was, yeah. Talking to a friend, the, the one year when it was like two years ago, I think 2018, there was a bunch of TV show pilots that were all like, you know, airing in the fall schedule and they all had titles the one that stuck around was Blackish, but the other ones was like Selfie. There was a TV show called Fucking Selfie. Yeah. There was one like Love from A to Z. Like all these things were just like cute, marketable titles, but horrible shows. I know Blackish is actually pretty good though. I auditioned, except for Blackish, for yeah. all of those. And it was just yeah. like so ang not just I was just like, my show wasn't going, and I'm auditioning for, you know, whatever. Uh God friend requested me and I'm like, what the fuck is that's one too? What is happening? Yeah, dude. I, I couldn't I was shocked. I wasn't like shocked because it makes sense because it's all about eyeballs. Mm -hmm. They just want people to watch shit. But he was telling me, he's like, dude, it used to be it's a friend of our you know Mick Betancourt, right? Yeah, he's great. Yeah, he's a great guy. He was telling me all about this. He's like, it used to be this was like the chain of command for most studios, and now the marketing department is like they are like so much more power than they had even 10 years ago. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of disappointing because instead of like the content and if it's actually good, you know, cause there's a lot of shows that are great, but have stupid titles. Right. Uh, yeah. I remember, um, the guy, what's his name? The guy who made Cougar tap, he made Cougar. He talks about this. He was a dude who made. Bill Lawrence. Yeah. He's like, He's like, I made a joke that I could sell. Somebody said we should make a show called Cougar Town. He's like, I could sell it based on the name. I, I, I'll go talk to somebody. We will sell the show based on the name. And then they were like, the show's good and we like the show. We're so angry we named it Cougar Town. 
because he's like, we did like six seasons. Good show with the worst title ever. That was kind of just a joke. And I'm paraphrasing, but I think that's what I read. Dave Grohl said the same thing about Foo Fighters. He hates the band name Foo Fighters. He called it that because he thought nobody would hear it. And it made it sound like a band instead of it just being him. Because it was a little project he did right after like, you know, eight months after Kurt died. He finally was like, I got to start recording music again. He did, you know, all the instruments. And then everyone's like, well, this is a thing. So then he had to form a band around a title, a name that he says he still hates. Right. Yeah. And then he even has like the FF on his on his wrist, I think. Yeah, I think he does. Right. Or was that just the cover of an album? No, it was the neck. Mm, maybe the, it, the tattoo. It's the ne- it is his neck. I know. I think I've just seen it here a bunch of times. Send it on the wrist. Uh, who knows? Um, but yeah, no, everything's stupid. Uh, <laughs> it's always said in Philadelphia is the only good show. And uh, Dude, I was talking about that last week on the podcast because I just started. Um, I love that show, but I, I'm like three, four seasons behind. And I started rewatching it from the beginning. And that show is so fucking brilliant, man. But- that shows why I moved to LA. I wanted to move out here and make It's Always Sunny, my own It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Like I, I was, that show came out the perfect time ever uh, for me uh, as a comedy fan. I was 19 living in Iowa and that first season came out and they just dumped it. It was like, they were all out right away. And I just caught it and I was like, this is the coolest fucking thing I've ever seen. It made me feel like I could make a show because it was so DIY and not lit well and just like really low budget. And then, you know, now here it is, whatever, fucking 17 seasons later. And it's like the coolest fuck. I had the, one of the, my coolest like thing that ever happened besides doing weekend update on SNL is I got to be on our, my other friend's show, AP Bio, where Dennis or Glenn Howerton is in AP Bio. And in the that episode, I get in a big fight with him. And it's just like, it's really short in the episode, but like we spent like probably an hour where we're just arguing over each other. And that's like the moment where I was like, whoa, I'm in It's Always Sunny right now. Like I'm arguing, I'm screaming at Dennis and he's screaming back. And that was like, I was like, this is fucking cool. This is why I moved here. Uh, and it was really, that was like a cool, like, hey, this is a great moment. That's, I love hearing like fellow comedians talk about actors talk about those little moments where you're like, yes, I am on the right path. And this is, I made the right decision getting into this. Yeah. AP bio, by the way, is such a great show. I'm, I saw the first, I happened to catch the pilot when it debuted live, like the first episode I was flipping around and it was just starting. And right away I'm like, this is going to be a great show. And then I found out later it's um, O'Brien. What's his first name? Right. Yes. And I'm like, Oh, that guy I've heard. I've never met him. But I've heard nothing but good things about him. But I love the gag they did with Glenn Howerton, where every time he walked into a room, he threw his apple, like he had. An, he was finishing an apple and he'd throw it at the garbage can and never make it. It would always right. miss. And it was just like I, I love shows. Arrested Development was perfect with this. It's always Sunny is always also like this, where there's like that little gag that they do over and over again, and the other characters never seem to address it. Nobody ever goes, "Hey, you want to pick that up?" or anything like that. I just fucking love shit like that because it's almost like real life. Yeah, no, O'Brien's a genius. O'Brien was the only one. At SNL when I was there, who was writing sketches with like, uh, like a narrative and like a heart at the end of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some weight <laughs> I don't know, just like trying to be as funny as possible, which, Hey, they're great at that. But O'Brien's always had like a little, it was just, there was more to uh, everything he wrote and it was incredible. All right. Well, while we're on the subject of SNL and we were talking about auditioning, if you don't mind me picking your brain a little bit, cause I think there's so many comedians out there who SNL might be a goal of theirs or who knows or whatever, but they're curious about the process. So what's the audition process like for Saturday Night Live? Uh, well, it's like, it's weird. It's like my, from me 
from me uh, sending a tape in to getting on was like two years. Um, but from me, from me auditioning in front of Lauren Michaels to being a writer on the show was like two weeks. Like it was, it was like really slow, slow, slow. And then it's just like, you're on, you work here. Uh, Move so to New York. all that happened was I have, I had reps or whatever. And, uh, everybody was leaving the show. All the, all the dudes were leaving the show. Uh, like Annie Sandberg, Armisen, Hader, Sudeikis, we're all leaving at like the same time. So they need it. They like, you know, they're like, Hey, we need dudes. Uh, so my agent was like, Hey, do you want to make a tape? Um, and send it in. And I was like, I don't know how to do SNL. Like I, I had initially wanted to be on SNL. That's why I got into comedy was to do Saturday Night Live. But then, you know, you start doing stand up and you realize that you love stand up and you're like, well, and then I took uh, classes at um, UCB and I was like, these guys are great at characters. I'm not, I, so I just, I was like, I'm not going to try to do SNL anymore. I'm just going to try to be the best stand up in the world. And then, uh, you know, my manager or whatever was like, just do this shit. Just fucking do it. And I was like, okay. Uh, and I can't really do impressions. I'm not good at impressions. Um, so I was like, and they want you to do three impressions and three characters is what the tape is supposed to be. So uh, I did like three bullshit characters. I don't even remember. Like it was like, uh, they were fun. I liked doing characters a lot. I was doing a lot of characters on stage. It was like uh, a shy bodybuilder. It was one of them it was just like, you know, he would flex and be so embarrassed. Um, and, but then the impressions I couldn't do, like Philip Seymour Hoffman or fucking, uh, you know, whatever is, um, all right, all right, all right, Matthew McConaughey, that guy. Oh, yeah. I, I'm like, I don't want to do that. That's yeah. stupid. So for my impressions, I did like Hitler, If he, but <laughs> he was like, he was setting up before a speech, but he was really into troll dolls. He's superstitious. So he had to set up all his troll dolls. He's like, let me just get his hair. I mean, it, he's got to be just right. Oh, he's got the jewel for a belly button. Do not show the Jews. Um, <laughs> yeah, pretty crazy shit. And then Jake the Snake Roberts, only the government had repossessed his snakes. So he didn't have a lot to work with. And he was also um, being hired for a children's birthday party. So just like weird narratives. So you took um, bold choices though, which makes you stand oh, out, I feel like. Crazy. So they, that I taped it in my manager's office and she sends it in. I'm like, hey, cool, neat. Uh, didn't even think about it. And then like a day or two later, she's like, hey, they emailed back. And I was like, what? Um, she was like, they said no, but this is like the most outside of the box tape that they've gotten. Like, like she said, I don't know if she said ever, but she's like in a long time. It was, it was very weird. They said, uh, and she's like, and that's not bad. And I was like, cool. Um, and then the next year comes around and she's like, Hey, they reached out. They want you to make another tape. And I was like, fuck. Uh, huh, all right. And so I made another tape and I tried to do real impressions that time. Like I tried to do like Charlie Day, you know, uh, shit like that. And, and like, um, sent it to her and she's like, I don't, yeah, maybe, maybe we don't do SNL. You know, it just wasn't that it wasn't good. And then same time I go and do just for laughs, Montreal and, uh, new faces. And I go and it's, it, uh, it was great. I was like, 
more than ready. I auditioned like five years in a row, was furious I hadn't gotten it. You know, like that sort yeah. of, you go in with angry and you're like, I'm going to show you how, how you fucked up. I should have been here four years ago. But best thing that ever happened was not get it till I was good at comedy. Uh, so JFL goes incredible. Like after JFL, uh, I was like in LA and it was kind of like, okay, you get to quit your job and you get to do, you're going to do stuff now. Um, so also Seth Myers was at JFL and he went back to SNL. He's like, this guy's really funny. We should, um, audition him. And then he showed, he like showed him, pulled up me or whatever. And they're like, Oh, this guy's nuts. We have this tape from a year ago. And he was like, well, he wasn't nuts. He just did straight stand up." So I think that combo of like, okay, he, I can do regular comedy, uh, helped. So then I auditioned. So then Lauren Michaels comes out to LA and they hold, they hold this audition with like maybe 30 people, maybe 20, 20, 30 people. Um, at IO West. And I remember I was with Nick Rutherford and he gets uh, a call from his manager that says, hey, you're going to audition for Lorne Michaels at IO West. And I was sitting next to Nick and I was like, oh my gosh, because I didn't know Seth was even at JFL or anything like that. And I was like, this is incredible. Nick, you get to audition for Saturday Night Live because he was in the sketch group Lonely Island with Kyle Mooney and Beck Bennett. And I was like, this is so cool. And like, one minute later, I get a call. I was like, hey, you're auditioning too. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so neat. Well, awesome. cool. Or whatever. And then uh, I re had read Jay Moore's book about how he did his audition um, drunk. He was just like, I played basketball and I slammed six beers and I went and I didn't take it serious. And I was like, well, that sounds like a fucking great plan. So yeah. I just didn't take the audition serious at all. Uh, and I remember Beck had a flat. I wasn't, I didn't drink before cause I'm like taking it, you know, I still do want it, but sure. Beck, Beck has, um, he had a, like a handle of, not a handle, but like a little, what, you know, a, a plastic bottle of vodka, like uh, a fifth or not a fifth, whatever, um, like a flask amount is. And, uh, he's like, you want I knew him. And I was like, yeah. And I just took like a huge tug. <laughs> And he was like, I don't, I didn't mean that much. I was like, ah, I'm pretty nervous. Uh, and then I just walked out and did, uh, everyone was doing these really intense, like very meticulous characters. And I just kind of fucked around for four and a half minutes. Like the mic stand broke and I fixed it and was like, well, I, that was a real big misuse of my time because it took <laughs> me like a minute to fix and I just didn't take it serious. And then I ended it by even, they told me to do characters and I didn't because I'd read Mulaney just did stand up. And I was like, I just want to ride on the show anyway. Well, I mean, I want to be on the show, but I'm not good enough to be on it. Uh, and then I ended by even kind of uh, nagging like SNL. I was like, all right, I'll do some characters real quick because you guys seem to think that shit's cute. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's it the confidence confident. that helped you through it, man. Confident psychopath an absolute confident psychopath and it worked. So then they're like, holy shit. I like killed on a different level. Like you've, you ever been funnier than you are? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. All the time. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, it's shit's an accident. All this shit's an accident. Yes, exactly. That was my SNL audition. I was funnier than I actually was. Uh, so then I remember I went home and I was dating this girl. I woke up my girlfriend. She lived not far from my OS. And I was like, she's, I was like, yo, uh, I just got to 
tell somebody, I think I'm going to get SNL. And she was, you know, this is still very early. And she was like, don't say that shit. That's, you know, don't even fucking like say it. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I think I'm going to get it. That was wild. Uh, and then, you know, I was going to do this. I was going to get to quit my day job as an engineer. Finally, uh, all this is happening. I was going to host a MTV food show, be a judge on it with Chrissy Teigen and this other dude who was a chef. Uh, I was called snack down and our snack off or something. And I was like at bar Lubage, not bar Lubage. I was at somewhere. I was at little Dom's meeting with the, the producers of that show. And I was going to sign the shit to do 20 episodes and I was going to get to quit my engineering job. I couldn't wait. And then my manager calls and she's just like, this is like, you know, two or three days after the iOS thing. And she was like, don't sign shit, leave. I was like, what? She goes, you're going to New York tomorrow to test for SNL. Uh, and I was like, okay. And she's like, and they said to just do exactly what you did. Like, just do that. And I was like, okay. Uh, and then I told the guy, I was like, I'm sorry, I got to go. I got to go to New York for SNL. He's like, that's crazy. Uh, and it was really cool. It was like the serendipitous moment where I remember uh, at Little Dom's, it's like this little eatery. It's like hip or whatever. Like a lot of people have lunches there. Uh, it's like bullshit like I was doing. And in Little Dom's at that time was uh, Kroll, Nick Kroll, who I, who I kind of know. Um, well, I do know Kroll. I, I love him. He's fucking awesome. He's so funny. And I just like, but I didn't know him that well at the time. And I just told him, I was like, I'm going to New York to audition for SNL. And he was like, oh, I did that. Um, you know, just stay on your time. It's, it's incredible. Congratulations. And then also uh, John LeJoy was in there, who I like, who I was just like, he, I was like, hey, I'm a fan of yours. I'm going to test for SNL. Like, I just couldn't not tell these guys. And also, who the fuck else was in there? God damn it. It was a Paul F. Tompkins was in there too. And I, these are three separate, they're not together. I'm just going crazy. over to every one of them and be like, I'm going to New York, that's for us now. And they're all like, okie dokie, psycho. And then, so then I go to New York and um, I get there and it's, the mind fuck is right away, right away. Uh, Cause I know Beck and Kyle, they're the only two guys I know testing too. And uh, me and Beck get calls, texts, you're gonna go have lunch. You're gonna go have dinner with Lauren and the producers, not Kyle. So that so they brought like 20 people, and then like eight of us went and had dinner with Lauren, and the other 12 were like, "What the fuck?" Oh, that's like, a mind fuck. Yes, exactly. And I'm like, "Well, I don't know." And then Lauren comes and sits next to me, and then we I just talked to this fucking guy for like you know two hours, just asking him about the differences between Billy Madison and Tommy Boy and shit mm -hmm. like that, and he was. Well, I said, I told Adam to lose the penguin. I'm like, I love the penguin. He was like, well, you were a kid, you know, <laughs> super cool to talk to and really nice, but you know, also can put you down really well. You know, he's, okay. You know, he's really good at uh, uh, making you feel insecure. He's that's his, that's his, that's his superpower. Yeah. Um, I bet. And then I just, he was like, so what do you, you know, what do you like or whatever? And I think that this is like what got me hired is, uh, I was like, well, I love music, man. You should have actually Arcade Fire on. There's their new album coming out. It sounds rad. I didn't know until way later he had just booked Arcade Fire to do the premiere that day. Wow. So he said, I'm very cool. You know, he's yeah, like, you confirmed his coolness. I love it yeah. when someone makes you feel like, because I mean, he booked Arcade Fire thinking, oh, everyone's telling me this. And then this guy who he just meets is like, good call. That's pretty yeah. badass. 
Yeah, and I didn't even know that he had done it. I'm just like, you got to get Arcade Fire. They fucking rock. And so, it would be cool if you did know, but pretend like you didn't know. I know, right? I would have <laughs> fucked it up then. I would have been like, you should do them. And yeah. then, so, okay. Uh, this is a long winded story, but it was, a, I no, guess, I like you, man. This is great, dude. Wild day. So then the next day, I'm like, I got to take the, the audition just as serious as I took the iOS one. And oh, also, Lauren told me, he's like, you're, ready for the show tomorrow is just like a formality i'm like what okay uh <laughs> he's like we have to see how you look on camera it's a camera test all right psycho <laughs> uh, but the next day my my call times like at like two or three and i knew that they like make you that you sit in an office alone for a long time before it you know there's so much information on snl out there and so I went and met with Hampton Young and uh, Nick Turner, who were both in New York, and we got drunk at lunch. We just went and had lunch. And right, I remember it was um, not not wasted, but just you know had some beers to kind of chill out. A healthy bugs. It was like I was like, oh fuck, it's two. I'm late to audition for SNL, and we were by, right by the Flatiron Building, and I had to like stop a cab and i don't i was like 30 rock i don't know what the fucking address is i gotta go to 30 rockefeller plaza to audition for snl and the guy's like yeah whatever i'm like dude i'm not joking i'm late i gotta get there um so we haul ass there and then i this is the smartest thing i ever did because i was like look man i don't give a fuck if i'm late i if i'm gonna be iced in a room i i'm gonna i'm gonna i got two three tall boys of miller light and put them in my backpack and uh Walked in, they put me in a room. It was so smart, dude. I was in there for like two hours, just uh, alone, hearing people like yelling, uh, you know, like working on their auditions or whatever. And I was trying to like be friendly and like go around to people and be like, this is crazy. How cool is this? This is nuts. You know, that's fucking Bill Hader's room. And uh, nobody wanted to talk to me. They were all taking it very serious. Um, so I just jammed out in my room to like this band the joy formidable while I like took beers and like kind of part, you know, just like hanging out, like having fun. And then, um, went down, did it. It was awful. It was so bad. <laughs> there, it, uh, there's a difference between, cause I just did stand up there. There's a difference between doing <laughs> like a character and being like, okay, you can see that I have this skill versus yeah. stand up to no laughs no laughs. Um, and I like, I was shell shocked with how bad it went. Like I left in a fucking daze, you know, and everyone else is like, God, that went great. That went great. I'm like, I think I got to quit comedy. <laughs> like this, that was so bad. I fucked up. Um, and then I go back to my, I go back to my hotel and I am like, so just, I'm like, just, I don't even remember. I haven't watched my audition and I never, I don't remember it. Like it, it was that. I don't remember doing it and I haven't watched it. And I could have the whole time. Like, do you want to see your audition? When I was on the show, I was like, fuck no, burn it. Yeah. Uh, so then I go back to my hotel and I'm like, this was awful. This was nuts. Uh, and then I call my agent and I'm like, yo, that sucked. I'm really sorry. Like I, I just fumbled, you know, 
And then she's like, it's okay. It's really hard. Don't worry about it. It's fine. You're going to work when you get back to LA. Then like one minute later, she calls and she's like, I don't know what you think, but they want you to stay now. And I'm like, what? Uh, okay. So then I stayed in New York for three more days. They're just, and also they only kept like 10 of us. So they sent like 15 people home, kept 10 of us. I'm like, okay, now it's down to 10 of us. Um, they kept me for three more days. Didn't meet with Lauren. Like they were like, in case you go meet with Lauren, never met with him. Other people did. Uh, I'm like, well, what the fuck? What is going on? I just stayed here three more days. Just did stand up at night, hung out with pals. Then came back to LA and it's like, I had kind of quit my job a little bit, but not really. And they announced that like Beck, Kyle, John Milheiser and Noel all got hired. So they announced those guys got hired and I'm like, fuck, I didn't get it. Okay. That's fine. It's all right. Uh, I did not get it. That sucks. Um, and then, so then I started having all the other bullshit meetings of, you know, like if you get that close to getting on it, other people are like, well, we should talk to this guy. Sure. Yeah. And then, uh, then I was like uh, at a meeting at ABC to meet like with the head of like ABC development uh, or whatever. And I'm in the office and I get a call. It was my birthday, I remember. And I get a call from uh, the casting woman at SNL, who's nice. And um, she was just like, uh, hey, what do you, hey, what's up? This is, um, her name is Lindsay. She's great. Uh, she said, hey, this is Lindsay at Saturday Live. I was like, oh, hey, what's up? I'm, I'm actually at, uh, I'm actually at, uh, I'm at ABC right now. I mean, I'm at, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm at, I'm at the uh, enemy. You know, I was like, being funny. she's like, we'll leave because you're going to come move to New York and uh, we're not sure what you're going to do on the show yet, but at the least you're going to write this season. And I was like, at the least, that's the greatest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Uh, and so, and then I, I remember I, I go, and this is like foreshadowing. I was like, it's my birthday. And she's like, I don't care. Uh, oh, oh, I forgot that no, you guys are kind of mean. Um, and then so as soon as I hang up, the people at ABC are like, all right, you fucking Bill Disney's ready to see you. Uh, and I'm like, oh, okay. And I just like walk in. And also, I'm not supposed to tell anybody. You know, she's like, don't tell anybody. We'll do a press release and all that shit. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and then I walk into the ABC room or whatever, and I'm sitting on the couch and there's like five execs across from me or whatever. And they're like, so how's it going or whatever? I'm just like spinning and I'm just like, good. And they're like, yeah. And like, what do you want to do? Like, what's, you know, tell us about you. And I just was like, I just got hired to write at SNL. I, I gotta go. Uh, <laughs> I immediately told a bunch of people <laughs> and cause I just, and they were like, Oh, okay. Um, wow. Crazy. Cut to one year later. I'm back in that meeting with all of those people after being fired. Uh, and they were like, that was a weird day. I was like, it was a weird day. Uh, <laughs> but then I just, so then I fly to New York and I write for the show for the first three, three weeks of commercial parodies where all the writers come in early. And then the day before the show started, Lauren's like, Hey, you actually, we're going to bump you up into the cast. And then it turned into hell after the, everything before that was fun. And then once I was in the cast, it wasn't fun. Yeah, dude. I mean, first of all, great story. And thank you for sharing it. Yeah. What I love so much about you is it's interesting. You're, you're so fucking genuine, man. You're like the same. I was cracking up when you were like, you know, I ran into Nick Kroll. Nick, I'm going to audition for SNL. Paul, Paul, I'm going to go audition for like you wear your heart on your sleeve. And I think in a really good way. Um, that's why when you were saying, I knew right away when the casting director, or whatever was like, 
hey, don't tell anyone we're doing a press release. In my brain, I'm like, oh, he's fucking telling people. I thought you were going to get in trouble for telling people, but obviously the ABC execs aren't going to, who are they going to babble to? Yeah, I was having my 27th birthday party that night at the Red Lion, and I was just like, I'm writing on SNL. <laughs> yeah, dude, some things it's like, I don't understand how they could expect people to hold on to that information as, as tightly as some people do. I did have to hold on to the, I was a cast member for a weekend, for because he put me in the cast on a Friday, and I couldn't tell anybody till Monday, and by that time, I knew enough to be scared of them. Yeah, that's what everyone talks about, how intimidating Lauren Michaels is and all that. I mean, if you – I remember seeing you – like, you were, you came into L.A., I think, like, SNL hiatus week. And I think I bumped into you at maybe, like, a bar Lubitsch or some bar in Echo Park, who knows where, and just chatting with you. And I could tell, I'm like, this dude is exhausted. You just seem like you're physically drained. Is it, like, that grueling a process, week-to-week grind of uh, working as a cast member? Well, it's just – to, to not be to work to not get on the show is the was the worst thing ever it was just like i just was uh i was in um i would say for a year and a half i did not not every night every night for a year and a half this is even after the show i had the same dream every fucking night of i don't have any ideas uh and it's it's tuesday tuesday i have no ideas uh cuz that's when you write your sketches and yeah, and I just wasn't getting on. And it was like the uh it you was by friends for never, dude. What friends for never? You should have pitched that. <laughs> yeah, no, it was just so sad. I was so sad to get on that show and not succeed. And I was just it was just all completely consuming of like I'm failing on Saturday Night Live. I didn't know this was possible. So it was just like I was a zombie, you know, I was just so I didn't know how to deal with it. I just was like really sad uh, and like knowing like this is not working. I cannot believe that this is not working. You I know, mean, what I mean? dude, you get hired to do that. You're you. You think I got this. There's yeah. no, I'm not going to be able to do this. And it was just so much more than, you know, I was like, just let me do fucking update. Like anytime they let me go on update and do stand up. The next week, they're like, that was great. I'm like, let me do it again, you fucking maniacs. That's what I should be doing. Yeah. Um, so it was just, you know, it was just tough. Yeah, I I, I have, a, I mean, it, that year was such a blur that, but a, a lot of people have the similar story of like, I saw you, you looked like the saddest boy in the world. I go, oh, I probably was. Well, I mean, it's a heartbreaking to hear because SNL is such like an institution. So, I understand, like, not succeeding at it the way you wanted to. Of course, it's got to be crushing. And here, here's a, uh, a reference for you. You're getting into sports now, or basketball at least. Next time you're watching Iowa, think about that 11th guy on the bench who's not getting any playing time. That's kind of like what you were, you were going through, it sounds like to me. Kind of just being on the bench, being like, I know, get me on the court. I know I can score. Get yeah. me out there. So That's exactly what it was. Anytime – well, and that's also, you know, they're really – you know, I can't fault them. They weren't letting me, they don't let uh, new guys take like big swings. Cause what if we miss, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so they were only letting, I only don't. Yeah. I got like six sketches on and those were my six best sketches because they were like, uh, you know, we're not going to let me put on my bad sketch. I wrote a sketch one time that they let me read it at the table. I'm like, this should have been yanked. It was about a guy that went to the running of the bulls. Cause he, this is how out of ideas I was. 
He's in Bar. He's in Pamplona or wherever the fuck it is. He's at the running of the Bulls, and he can't wait to meet Michael Jordan. That's how dumb and stretching I was. They should have said, "Do not write this." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're an idiot. Not to be a dick, but that is kind of bad. Um. <laughs> no, I'm I'm putting out my that's my worst sketch, dude. And when you they uh the sketches read there. There was 40 sketches read each each Wednesday. It's like fucking five-hour table read. And everyone is over it by yeah. sketch 38, 39, 40. My bull sketch was 40. So not only are they over this table read, it's the worst sketch of the year that is that I have to read out loud in front of all of my fucking heroes. Who were the head writers when you were there? Uh, it was Seth. Uh, was still riding there, uh, still on it. Um, uh, he left halfway through to go do his show. He's the coolest p- person in the world. That's the other thing. Everybody at this show rocks. It's just a tough environment. Like people are like, oh, it's so competitive. Nah, everybody. Well, at least when I was there. Also, I just like to get along with. I don't. You know, I was excited for everybody who was doing well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it was Seth. Uh, Brian Tucker was a head writer, and Jost. Colin Jost was head writer. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's, it seems like looking back, you probably look back with a little bit like, oh, I wish you would have gone this way or that way. But overall, I think it was probably a great experience for you. You're doing so many great things since then. And also six sketches is five more sketches than Larry David got on back in 1982 or whatever. Yeah. Look, man, there's a lot of people. There's, there's a handful of people who did bad on SNL and did really well. There's a lot of people who did bad on SNL and then also didn't do very well. So well, it also I depends look, what you make of it too, right? I feel like you're a guy that's going to keep, or, or you have been like doing more and more shit where it's like, I'll just do this. I'll do that. That's what I think is cool about your story is that you're like, I'll do that. That sounds fun. I'll do that. That sounds fun. And you kind of, you go in that way and you're a good dude. Like you're easy to root for. Cause like, you're not bad mouthing anyone who is there at SNL. And I'm sure you probably could, but like, you know, it's, it's just a, sh- it's a hard show to put together 90 minute live show that's been around since 1975 and people are very overly critical of SNL. So yeah, dude, anytime, uh, sometimes I'll, I don't, yeah, I didn't have any, I didn't have enough success for anybody to be mad at me, which is nice. But, uh, sometimes people will be like, uh, like just tweet it or something like you sucked on SNL. And I'd be like, yeah, I got, I didn't win. What are you talking about? Yeah, of course. Still got on it though. <laughs> no, no, not, not still got on it, but they're just like, I'm like, yeah, I know, man. I got fired. It's not like I did eight years and sucked. But uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It took me a while to be able to like talk about it with any sort of, you know, not anger, you know, where now I'm just like, hey, cool, whatever. You know, it's a cool little moment. Well, well, dude, I think that's that's. Uh, thank you for sharing with me. I hope I didn't bring up any shit memories for you. Oh no, no, it's all good. Uh, no, it's like nice. Like now, I'm like that was cool. New York rocked in that moment. But like you know, if you asked me when I was, you know, 29, I would be like, it ruined my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, that was a while. What you what season was that? Like 2015 or something? 2013, 14. So it was a while. It was a long time ago. Oh yeah, a while ago, man. Totally. Yeah. I still think of you as a 29 year old. That's why I had to ask. I'm like, wait, what year was that? Aren't you still 29? 34. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm th- I'm th- I'm 36. It took me a second. I'm like, I still think I'm 29 too. Well, I don't. I feel my age now. I used to have a stretch there where I was like, I'm 30 now. I feel like I'm 27. Um, you but you're kids. a guy that always feels 29 to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have Some two people, kids. 
yeah, the kids will definitely fucking age you, man. Um, so how's like how's LA right now? What do you think's going on there? And what do you think like the future holds for LA? I don't know, dude. The whole I'm like, you know, I'm pro science uh and masks and all that shit. Um, but like my problem with this lockdowns is they're just stutter steps like the whole country needs to shut down or don't we can't do like county to county bullshit like it needs to be all or none because it doesn't fucking matter uh la is like in a lockdown right now but like i just drove up to seattle and back you know like i can go wherever like it's just stupid uh la is fine i don't know man i miss comedy a lot uh i miss an income you know that's it the other thing sucks about uh this dumb profession we've chosen is uh it's the and i'm not asking anybody to feel bad for us but if there's one job you never feel bad for that person it's a performer (laughs) well that's why you don't do that that's why you do be an engineer um i call this pandemic the don't follow your dreams pandemic uh it's just sad but fucking true bro (laughs) i can't wait to be able to make uh, a living doing what I like again. I think that's the thing is, you know, talking to people, everyone's uh, same boat you're in. Obviously my wife's a nurse. She works on the, the COVID floor. Gee, this shit is real. She, is she okay? She's yeah, man. She has had some really hard weeks, you know? Um, but you know, there was such a nice dip in the summer in like the Chicago area where it was like, things felt closer to normal. A couple of the clubs opened back up. Obviously they were like spacing out seating and, People had their own microphones. Every comic went up with their own mic. So there was still safety measures, but it kind of felt like, oh, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And then I knew shit was getting bad first because, you know, my wife works as a, at a hospital. So she's like, numbers are going up bad. I'm like, really? I haven't heard anything on the news yet. And and then like two days later, the mayor shuts everything down. So I'm with you, but there's too many fucking stutter steps. The government at every level, especially federal, has failed the business, small businesses, failed citizens, people without incomes. And if we would have just done a real fucking lockdown, we could be like Japan. And I bring up Japan because I read this morning, not to bore people who don't like baseball, but a baseball player who everyone thought who played in Japan, everyone thought he was going to come back to the majors because he's been kicking ass out there. And and like major league teams were like the Yankees, the Marlins, everyone was talking to him. He's staying out there. He just signed a two-year contract. And people were like, part of the reasoning is he's like the culture better there. Even though he grew up like in America, he's like, "Ah, it feels better to be here the next two years than be there the next two years, even with the vaccine coming. So it it shows you how badly we're failing when people are like, no, I'm going to stick around in Japan. I still only know 12 words, but fuck it. I'm going to stay here. Yeah. Um, But yeah, dude, it's crazy. But let's. If he was like playing in North Korea and he's like, actually, I kind of kind of like it in North Korea right now. That would be a little bit scarier. You're right, man, for sure. Um, Nice. Yeah, dude, I, I like to end um, on two segments. One, I'm very excited for you. Both of them I'm excited for you to do. Um, the first one, because even though I called the show the Joe Kilgallen podcast now, I used to call it Kilgallen's Pub because it was kind of like a lot of drinking stories and stuff, which I still try to keep around. This one, I like to ask people their favorites. So I'm going to ask you some of your favorite stuff, and they're all going to be kind of drinking related. Okay. If you can only do one shot the rest of your life, what's that shot? Uh, probably Jameson. I don't like shots. Yeah, I'm not a big shot guy either, and I go with Jameson as well because it's such a punch. If I'm going to do a shot, I want it to be kind of like a punch. Yeah, I, I go with shots. It's like I'm going to get there. I don't need to. I don't need to step on the accelerator. I'll get drunk. 
That's a great way to describe that. You don't need to hit the gas. All right, perfect. Mixed drink. If you could drink one mixed drink the rest of your life. Oh, I got into martinis. Do those count? Yeah. No, that's, that's a cocktail. It's more like what's your favorite cocktail? A big cold shot. It really kind of is, dude. I used to, though, hate making. I used to bartend when I was like in my early 20s. I hated making martinis because the glass is so annoying because you got to like steady it. And yeah. you know, I was always hung over bartending. So my hand was so shaky. <laughs> hated that. But no, it's a good drink. No, yeah. I, did, I didn't know I was into them until uh, I was in Albany with Carl Hess doing uh, comedy. And um, like we Carl. were like this, this bar. It was like the oldest like family owned bar in uh in new york and they just did i've never had like a fancy ass fucking martini where they chill the glass and then they throw it out and i was like this is fucking nuts this is so good so yeah gin or vodka uh i I like vodka gin to me tastes like pine gin's pretty rough yeah i found out my grandmother was a big gin drinker i used to think it was water but people later told me like you know that was straight gin right she died of liver cirrhosis at 72, though, so it's not... She made it pretty, pretty, good, pretty long. Yeah, I guess so. Could have yeah. gone longer, I feel like. I miss her. <laughs> but all right. Now, beer. Are you a beer guy? What's your favorite beer? Yeah. Uh, um, I don't know, man. I like Heineken. Like, if, if I buy from the store, I get Heineken or whatever. Uh, same thing with, like, I used to like IPAs, but then they make my face all fucking fat now the sugars and shit oh yeah they are kind of a little bit too much with that i'm i'm weird with the stuff if i'm going draft beer in the summer i like like a cheap domestics like a miller light um in the winter guinness on tap i absolutely love because it feels like you know in chicago not la winter um then for bottled beer though i love heineken yeah i'm a big heineken fan and i like stella bottles too but i also like Stella on tap so yeah i guess it depends bottle or tap all right, here's what there's one I'm excited for your answer about. Uh, drunk food. You're hammered and you can only eat one thing. It's one it's it's four in the morning. What are you getting? I like ramen. Really? That ramen's your drunk food, huh? Ramen, like, dude, man, I just I live next to this place called Silver Lake Ramen, and I just love it. It's just so bad for you, and it's so salty and noodles. I just yeah, ramen. Fucking great. I can see that being actually now that you throw it out there, I just you know I was I, I don't know why I pictured you being like a French toast guy. No, I'm not a sweet guy. I'm a salty boy. All right, a salty boy. <laughs> All right, salty boy. That should be the name of your next album, Salty Boy. Yeah, well, that sounds like the name of Maddie Ryan's next album. It actually that does sound like a Maddie Ryan thing. Yeah, I, I miss that kid. Um, okay, I don't know why I call him a kid. I think we're the same exact age, but he just feels like a kid to me for some reason. He's got oh. kid vibes. I got yeah. a fun Maddie Ryan story. <laughs> You do? Yeah, yeah. So we went on a tour. Uh, we went on a tour of, I call it Brooks Wheeler Tour of Central America. And we just did like right down the middle of the United States. And we were doing some fucking boring ass cities. Like really just like, nah, it's like, you know, we're doing like fucking Hattiesburg, Mississippi, Mobile, Alabama, like fucking uh, just you know, Lansing, Michigan and in the winter, fucking north of Detroit, just a bunch of un, not that fun cities in the winter. Um, and then we're rolling into Nashville. And like, that's like our, I've got friends in Nashville. My, my friend uh, Patrick is the German, the black keys. He's like, yo, you should come through my um, studio. We're recording. Uh, he wasn't recording the black keys, recording a different band. And like, I'm like, cool, cool, cool. Maddie, 
girlfriend, it was Maddie's 30th birthday, had set up us. They were going to surprise him at the hotel. Maddie's girlfriend, Maddie's sister, Maddie's mom. Don't tell him, but get him there. Okay. So I'm just like, dude, Nashville's going to be great. Like my other friends are in this band, the Kings of Leon. I'm like, I'm going to meet up with them later. And like, but we're going to go to Pat's studio first. And <laughs> Maddie's so fucking amped. And we get there. And I'm like, hey, surprise, your family's here. Happy birthday. And he was like, you motherfucker. You didn't tell me about this. I was like, I, I don't know what to say. He was like, God damn it. So they all went to eat at Applebee's or some shit. And then I went to Pat's recording studio. Like the only fun. And Matt, Matt he was so angry. He's like, you need to tell me. You can't. I'm like, I was trying to be nice. I don't know what to tell you. I thought you would be surprised. I don't know what to say. We had very different fun. We had very different Nashville uh, story. And then he was, then his mom came on tour with us for a little bit. And she rocks. No, his, I never met his mom. His sister's really cool, though. And yeah, dude, that's, that's why I didn't feel bad. I was like, they're fun. They rock. And yeah, but you didn't take him to Disney World. Going to the yeah. studio was Disney World. Yeah, yeah. Take him. So he comes full circle. Yeah, he was so upset. All right, real the last one of these, and then I got a little quick game. Uh, I, like to, I like to end playing Fuck, Mary Kill with people because okay. I had to clear off all my DVDs because my wife was like, ah, we need the space, and we don't watch DVDs anymore. So I got yeah. a big bin of DVDs. I reach in at random and then that's who I, that's how I choose your fuck, Mary kill contestants. Okay. But one more question of the drinking uh, related stories or drinking favorites, I should say mm -hmm. one historical person doesn't have to be like political, like, or just one dead celebrity. If you could have one dead celebrity to get drunk with, who would it be? James Cook. He's my favorite explorer. That that's pretty That's a deep cut right there because I feel oh, I like no one's really gone that. Red is fucking, I love the age of exploration. And then James Cook is the greatest explorer of all time because he was the only one who was in it for purely the science. There's a really good book called Further Than Any Man that you'd probably dig. Um, I'll send you a link. I just- Please do. James Cook rocks. I got so into this dude that I went to Hawaii to snorkel in the bay where he got killed. There's like a little plaque there. And like, it's like a two hour hike. It's fucking through the jungle. And I was just like, I need to see where James Cook got killed. Uh, so I would love to just fucking talk to that dude. That guy rules. That's cool as hell. See, you had a quick answer. I love that shit, man. James Cook. All right, yeah, please send me the link to that book because I'm actually, uh, you know, there's no comedy for a while, so I've actually been trying to um, compile like a list of reading materials. Yeah, and stuff it's like great. That. Other than Any Man by Martin Dugard. All right, okay. Fuck yeah. I'm, I'm a good reader at the beginning of every year. Every year I get a bunch of books for Christmas, I'll knock them out by Valentine's Day. Like I'll read like five, six, seven books by Valentine's Day. And then I don't do shit the rest of the year and I hate myself for it. I know I'm in a lull right now. I put myself in a real fucking prison earlier this year where I read all of the George R. R. Martin, a dance with dragon, a, a dance of fire and ice or whatever. Yeah. A song of fire and ice. And they're so they're like, they're like, you know, it's like 5,000 pages. And then he's awful. And like, just you you're reading about rape so much that i'm like i can't do this anymore uh, so is now, he a bad guy in real life no but he writes stuff that i'm like we should check on this fucking guy dude anybody's brains you are not fucking around man i got into game of thrones during the last season so that was like fucking a year ago 2019 my yeah my son dylan was just born 
I started watching like season one, like a week or two before he was born. That would have been like April of 2019. And Brido, a mutual friend of ours, was trying to be like, dude, you got to watch it all. You got to catch up before these last few episodes. So I watched like 72 episodes of Game of Thrones in like a 10, 12 day period, which is insane. That's crazy. And after every like six or seven episodes, I would text those guys like McGowan and, and Bridenstine and be like, hey, this shit is too much for me to handle. They're stabbing babies. They're fucking all the all the rape and horrific murders. Dude, I can't. And they're is, like, keep going, keep going. The book is worse. It's tamer in the fucking show. The book is oh my god, that's way tame in the show. Do they capture the red wedding worse in the book? Way worse. It's infinitely worse. They cut the baby out. Oh my god. Yeah. The worst thing, I almost threw the book in a fire. I was camping, I was reading a dance with dragons, and he makes Theon. This isn't giving anything away, but well, what just, I mean, dude, I don't even want to, he may, he makes Theon, oh, I don't even want to talk Dang about it. it. Well, he oh. makes Theon go, Theon knows the girl that Ramsey Bolton has just married and is raping and he makes Theon go down on her. It's like Theon's like basically little sister uh, before he rapes her. Yeah. And oh. I, that's when I was like, I don't want to read this shit. I'm mad you made yeah. me read it. I didn't know that this was a fucking thing. I was so angry. Yeah, dude. That's too much for me, too. Sorry what? I made you say it out loud. Too, yes, exactly. Anytime. One I'm time. Sorry. We were, <laughs> I'm so sorry, Brooks. One time we were, um, uh, I was over for John Oliver or whatever, and I had a story. I was like, oh, I have a story about, we were talking about bullies. And uh, I was like, oh, man, my bully is in jail, jail. And, uh. They were like, tell us why. Tell us why. I was like, you don't want to know. You don't want to know. You don't want to know. And I'm not, I'm not going to say why. Uh, and then finally they got it out of me and they're all like, Jesus Christ. Oh my God. And then John Oliver was like, he's like, Brooks never shuts up. That was the first time he ever said, I don't want to say something. And we made him say it. And so we all deserve to have, have heard that now. Yeah. He's 100% right. Like, I don't want to ask you off air if it's that terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you off air. It's too bad, man. Oh God! All right, well let's uh, let's wrap it up on a good, good old fashioned American classic. Fuck, Mary, kill. Uh, I got the big bin right next to me here. Some of these movies are terrible. Some are like, oh, that's a good flick. And I usually pick actors from, and that's how we'll find out who you're gonna fuck, marry, or kill. All right, let's see. Oh, okay. We got the town. Um, you'll like the fact that it's the blockbuster sticker right there. Do you remember when Blockbuster used to sell like four DVDs for like 20 bucks, but they were like the used ones? Yeah, because they would get like like 80 Lord of the Rings so they could have them all for that week. I mean, that whole system was pretty flawed. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, I remember yeah, previously viewed, you could buy like a four. They'd always have like three for 20 or four for 20 or something like that. Because um, that's where so many of my last wave of like DVDs that are like newish, because like, who buys DVDs anymore? Um, so this is the town I got, there's five people on the cover. I'm going to do one, two, three, four, five, pick a number between one through five. And that'll be one of the choices. Uh, just anybody I would know five. Well, I'll go with three. Whoever's in the middle. The middle is Ben Affleck. Okay. So Ben Affleck is one of your choices. All right. Reaching in for the next DVD. Oh man. Look at this swingers. I've seen swingers in a long time. We got swingers. I'll pick Heather Graham for you as the only woman on the cover. We got to diversify a little bit. So far, we got Ben Affleck and Heather Graham. 
Swingers actually was a movie I remember seeing in high school that made me think, man, L.A. looks cool as hell. They made L.A. look really cool in that movie. I watched it recently. Those guys are dorks. Are they? <laughs> well, there was a weird era, that swing music era, you know? Dress up and drive their own cars into the hills. I'm like, I'm like, man, you got to get a ride into the hills so that you can black out, baby. Another fun Maddie Ryan story. The only real Hollywood, Hollywood, Hollywood party I've ever been to. My friend invited me to it, who's a good actor. His name Brian Greenberg. Um, and he was like, yo, uh, my wife can't go. Do you want to come be my plus one? Maddie Ryan's crashing on my couch. I'm like, okay, can, can my Chicago uh, rap friend come? And he was like, yeah, just heads up. It's pretty Hollywoody. Um, it, it was like up in the hills. It was the week, it was like this Friday before the Oscars. So like Al Pacino's there, Leonardo DiCaprio, like, and it's like a smallish party. And I'm like, Yo, play it cool. Cut to Maddie's FaceTiming with this girlfriend and be like, yo, fucking Leonardo DiCaprio's here. Check this. I'm like, Maddie, stop it. We're not, we're not supposed to be here. And then also the friend who brought us, he's like, I'm leaving. You guys want to ride? Nope. Me and Maddie are going to shut down this party where we don't know anybody. And it turned into like four in the morning and it's me and Maddie and like the guy whose house it is. And he's like, well, who are you guys? And we're like, that was really fun. Thank you. Dude, I quit. I, I I drove Postmates for a little bit in LA. I quit because I had to go into the house and drop, uh, go into the hills and drop shit off where there was an insane party going on two doors down. And I'm like, yeah, this isn't for me. I'll never dr driving in the hills sucks. It sucks. Who would want to live up there? It's so inconvenient. Yeah, super inconvenient. The houses are beautiful. I get that, but I love that about you and Maddie because fuck, fuck those parties. Maddie doesn't give a fuck, and he's so loud. Southside boy. Yeah. Nick. All right. This, oh my God. This is my wife's. Um, not that I wouldn't like it. I've never seen it actually. It's not even open. We have a DVD that's not open. Look if you can see on the side. It's the Sex in the City movie. No problem. You got you gotta watch it. Gotta watch this. All right. Pick a number between one through four. That's all pick which actress from the cover you're gonna. I mean, four. Four is uh Kim Cattrall. Okay. You know which one she is? She's like the mega slut on the show. Sounds great. Yeah, well, cool, man. She's sex positive. I'm sorry, everybody. I should have said it that way. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Who well, are you going to fuck, Mary kill? You got Ben Affleck, Heather Graham, or Kim Cattrall? Well, it's very easy. I will, I mean, the ba I'll be basic and just be like, I want to I wanna have sex with the sex positive lady. That sounds fun. Heather Graham is, is a delight, and we all agree Ben Affleck should be murdered. Yeah, that's pretty easy, actually. So you're going to marry yeah. Heather Graham. Very easy. Yes. That was just like, that was how you explain the game to someone before they play it. <laughs> you obviously want to murder this piece of shit. Yeah. You know, Ben Affleck smokes. The whole house is going to be smoky. You don't want him around like that. Actually, you're going to have some fun with Ben Affleck. You know, he drinks. Me and him would really tie one on. That'd be pretty fun, I guess. He'd be yeah. fun to party with, maybe. But yeah, dude, Heather Graham. I, I don't know. I've always been a big fan of her. She's a sweetheart. She'll show her boobs on camera. She plays comedy fairly well. Mm -hmm. I think she's from the Midwest originally. Is she in election? Is that Heather Graham? No, that's Reese Witherspoon. Okay. Yeah. Heather Graham was in Boogie Nights, Roller Girl. Cool. She Movie was in... Uh, hangover, a few other stuff, but yeah, I'm into her. I think she's from Madison, Wisconsin too, which is a great town. Definitely marrying her. Gots to. All right, Brooks, dude, thank you so much for doing the podcast. You are the man. Uh, tell right. people where they should follow you, man. It should be on Instagram or where's the main oh, one for yeah. You? you? Yeah, I guess Instagram, if you want to see photos oh. that I, I pretend that I'm good at photography. Instagram is great if you're bad at photography. 
Uh, and uh, just listen to entry level. I, I like that's the one thing I'm doing right now. We're deep. I'm. I'm. Uh, it's gotten off topic a little bit from jobs to where now I'm trying to interview a carny. I'm very interested in a carny lifestyle. So I'm trying that's to great. get. I've got yeah. I've got my. I've got the listeners. A couple. Couple of them know carnies, but I don't know if you believe this. Carnies are hard to nail down for an interview. So <laughs> that's what I'm working on right now is interviewing a, a carny. Yeah, I could see them being hard to track oh, down. What's life's like? I would love to know. Yeah, town to town, shacking up yeah. with people. What's going on? That carny lifestyle. So yeah, uh, but yeah, listen to that. Um, just interviewed. I think it. She had Roy Wood Jr. on, who you just had, who's the fucking funny. That was a great episode. I listened to that one. Roy Wood Jr. episode is great. Dude, I, lo I love the podcast, man. I've listened to a few episodes. It's really fun. It's a great concept, too. That's great. Thanks, man. Well, I appreciate you having me on. Hell yeah, dude. Brooks, thank you so much. Everyone, thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, cheers, everyone. Have a good weekend. Bye.